We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Oh Lord, we we just sang a question. Isn't he wonderful? And we declare this morning, you are wonderful, Lord Jesus. You are risen. You are working among us. And we praise you and we thank you for the privilege of now opening your holy word. A book like none other that's ever been written because you are the author. And we just counted a joy and an honor, Lord, this morning to bow down before you. You are risen indeed. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for this opportunity to worship you this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So good to see each and every one of you here this morning, especially Randall, because uh, I think if anybody had an excuse not to be here this morning, he probably does, and uh, he's here. Good to see you. I know you worked late last night, but I do want to say good morning to each and every one of you and tell you that, you know, this is the beginning of a series um, <clears throat> with our pastor on sabbatical. He has asked several of us to preach the next few Sundays, and um, uh, I'm I'm up to the plate, I guess, and I'm the leadoff hitter. And then we'll have a, several guys come after me in the next few weeks, and I can speak for every one of them. I know they would agree with me. This is an honor. This is a privilege to be asked to bring God's word to you all. Um, it, it truly is a, a privilege and an honor. So this morning we're launching into a series on a portion of the Psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, I actually did a Bible study on these Psalms many years ago, and I remember uh, clearly they are a distinct portion in Scripture, sometimes kind of hidden in the longest book of the Bible, but, but very uh, unique. There are 15 of them, starting with Psalm 120, going through Psalm 134. And we're going to be looking at several of those in the weeks ahead. But I want to begin with a summary statement about the book of Psalms. Now, I don't know of, I've ever met a Christian who hasn't said, I love the book of Psalms. I just love it. I find so many times turning to that, finding a, a certain Psalm that speaks to you. Anybody like that? Anybody really love the book of Psalms? Okay, got three hands. That's great. Um, I think if we all thought about it, we would all say, you know, there, there's a psalm that, that just, it speaks for me. And I think that goes along with what Eugene Peterson wrote about this book of psalms. Uh, Eugene Peterson, of course, the author of The Message. Many of you enjoy reading that paraphrase of scripture. Here's what he wrote. 
There's no literature in all the world that is more true to life. And I think we're going to put this, yes, over here on the, on the wall. There's no literature in all the world that is more true to life, more honest than Psalms. For here we have warts and all religion. Do you like that? I like that. Warts and all. In other words, David and the other psalmists who wrote, they're not trying to hide who we are, the struggles we go through. I mean, it's all laid out there. Every skeptical thought, every disappointing venture, every pain, every despair that we can face is lived through and integrated into a personal saving relationship with God. A relationship that also has in it acts of praise, blessing, peace, security, trust, and love. That's a concise description of what was essentially the songbook for the people of Israel. This was their hymnal, so to speak. And within these 150 Psalms, we find a subset called the Psalms of Ascent. The word ascent means to go up. It's the idea of climbing a hill to get to, get to a higher place. And as you may know about the geography of Israel, Jerusalem was located on an elevated plateau. Obviously, it was also the location for the temple. In Psalm 24, David asked this question, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? What a, another great psalm. Read that sometime. But the truth is, every year, all Jewish males were required by the law to go to Jerusalem three times. They had to go to Jerusalem on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. They would make that pilgrimage. And to put these psalms in context, then these are 15 songs they would sing on their journey, on their way up to Jerusalem. And if you think about Jerusalem, just this morning imagine, that is the home for the Jewish people, that city, the holy city. And so living, anytime God's people lived at a distance from Israel, or from Jerusalem specifically, they were living in exile. Why? Because they were not home. Home was the promised land. Home was where Jerusalem is. And so this eternal thought of going home is throughout Scripture. Going to our eternal home, that's our destination. But I love how beautifully it's expressed in Hebrews 11. One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Hebrews 11, of course, is that collection of great men and women of faith throughout the Old Testament and how they trusted God no matter what. But in Hebrews 11, 13 and 16, notice over here, I want to put that scripture up. Hebrews 11 says, they, that is the great men and women of faith, they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth and that they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. So great men and women of faith, then, and I believe today, we know, we recognize that the world that we live in is not our home. This is not our eternal home. And there's a great example in the Old Testament. Remember Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt. And then he went from slavery to uh, being in prison for a while. Finally, God, in his sovereignty, allowed Joseph to be lifted up and raised up to the second highest position in all of Egypt. Second only to Pharaoh. And while they were in Egypt, Joseph had two sons. And one of them he named Ephraim. In Hebrew, the name Ephraim means 
God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. How could Egypt be the land of Joseph's affliction? I mean, he was, he was wealthy. He was in this high, exalted government position. You know why it was the land of his affliction? Because he was not home. He was not home. Vodi Bauckham, uh, a pastor that I love to hear, is a great preacher. He's a pastor here in the States, but about six, seven years ago, he moved his family to Zambia. And he's often asked why he relocated. Why would you leave America to go there? Obviously, many in Africa, and as you know, many around the world. They believe America is the, is the greatest nation on earth. And they want to live here. I mean, look at our southern border, right? They want to come here because this is the land of opportunity. So he's asked, why would you leave America? And he, and he answers this way. Vodi says, I'm looking for a city. In other words, he's talking about our eternal home in heaven. He says, I'm looking for a city, and until I get there, wherever I live is the land of my affliction. Good, isn't it? This will always be the land of our affliction until we're home. As followers of Jesus, you and I need to remind ourselves as we take this journey up to Jerusalem, as we go through these Psalms of Ascent, we need to remind ourselves we're not home. Uh, these are songs we can sing. I live at 411 Cottontail Court. Don't you love the name of my street? Come on. Cottontail? Whoever, who else lives on Cottontail Court? 411 Cottontail Court, Lebanon, Ohio. That's my current address, but that's not my home. Susie and I live in a house over there. But that's not our home. We're on our way home. I have a sister. My oldest, oldest sibling is 80 years old now. I can't believe I have a sister that's 80. But... Peggy and Bob just moved into another house a few months back. And I'll never forget, Peggy said, I'm hoping this is our last move until we go home. Do you have that attitude? Do you understand that truth? I hope you do. You know, because it'll, it'll make life on planet Earth much, much happier when you realize the stuff, even this last week, the stuff that... I saw on the news, and you saw, and, and the stuff that's happening all around us. If this is our home, good luck with that. But this is not our home. We're not home yet. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. John 14. That's home. He's preparing our eternal home. So in a very real sense, as we move into this series, we are studying a, a group of songs that we can sing in 2022 as we are on our way home. Please stand with me as we read God's Word. Psalm 124, as I said, these Psalms of Ascent begin at 120, so we're not beginning at the very beginning. In fact, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to cover all 15 of them in the weeks ahead. But we've chosen... Um, ones that we wanted it, it's kind of neat we threw out the psalms and then we just said to the different guys that are preaching which one do you want which one do you want and i believe the lord led me to 124 and so we're going to read it i'm reading the new living translation and it will also be on the screen i believe yes that's the new living up on the on the wall if you want to read there what if the lord had not been on our side let Israel, or let all Israel repeat. It's almost like the song leader says, okay, we, we asked it once, now let's all sing it again. 
you know, asking everybody, let's join in, lift your voices, okay? What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Again, he's answering the question, what if the Lord had not been on our side? This would have happened. The raging waters in, of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Lord, this morning our help is from You. We recognize that. But so often we are tempted to think that this is it. Where we live, uh, the work that we do, uh, that, that this is all there is, and somehow we're in it alone. But this morning, Lord, we need to answer that question. What if the Lord had not been on our side? And I pray before we leave here today that every one of my brothers and sisters will be reminded that we are never alone. You are always on our side. Please remind us of that. We need to know that. We need to understand that. We need to stand on that truth. We need to know who we are in Christ. And I praise you for just revealing that again by your Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've all heard someone ask the question, what is the worst case scenario? We've all heard that. And it's often asked in a uh, risk management type situation. The question is asked so that we can determine of all the things that are possibly happening, all the things that could happen, what is the worst? And then how can we prepare for what might happen for that worst case? Well, David begins Psalm 24, listen, he begins with the absolute worst case scenario for a follower of the Lord. He asks the question, what if the Lord had not been on our side? Didn't ask it once, he asked it twice, didn't he? Repeated it. Now, we've all had challenges over these last couple weeks even, maybe yesterday, sometime in the last week. You have had things happen in your life. I know I had a flat tire this week. That was a lot of fun to, to, to go through that. I had to call up the, the tow truck. Where are you? Well, my car's in my driveway. You ever call a tow truck the car in your driveway? I couldn't get the lug nuts off. The, it's a long story. But anyway, flat tire. Maybe you had an appliance that, that stopped working. Maybe uh, you had an illness in your family. Maybe a broken relationship. But these are all part of living as sinners in a sinful world. This stuff happens all the time. And I wonder if anybody would like to share just something that happened to you. It doesn't have to be, I'm not talking about, you know, end of life type scenarios. I'm, I'm talking about just something that happened that kind of you didn't expect it. I mean, it was a bummer. You know, I had to get through that and we moved on. But maybe you'd like to share something that happened recently. Some hardship that you had. Just a normal problem. One sentence. I'll give you a moment to think about that. I recently applied for a job. And I thought this was the Lord leading. I thought he was you know, leading in another direction. And I, I interviewed, I waited a couple weeks, 
And then this last week, I got the, the answer. I really thought, I was really positive about it. You know, you just kind of have that feeling, yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna happen. And they said, no, door closed. I was disappointed. How about you? Just some normal, everyday thing, but it was a disappointment, it was a setback. Anybody want to share? Yes. Okay. Well, I've got another, I've got an auto repair guy for you. Just see me after, after the service. Somebody else, something happened. It just, you know, you didn't expect it. It's just some little thing, but boy, it was an annoyance. It was a frustration. Just a sentence. Anybody? I'm trying to make a point here. Help me out. Come on. Somebody help me. What? Okay. Maybe everybody's had a great week. No, no problems. No issues. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Does everybody remember your first time overnight away from home? That that's that's a scary proposition. Someone else? I know you're all thinking of something. So while you're thinking of that, let me move on. If you're a follower of Jesus, at what point did you consciously remember, "Hey, I'm not in this alone. The Lord is with me." The Lord's going to help me. He has allowed this for some reason. I don't know what it is, but he's with me. He's at my side. As David says here, the Lord is on my side. When did you realize that? And let me ask you one more question. How many of you would be honest enough to admit with me that I don't always think about that first? That's not the first thought that comes to my mind. Oh, the Lord's on my side. I hope I'm not the only one. And, and, and I get embarrassed to say that. I should, I should remember that. It should be right the first thing that I think. But I get frustrated, and you can ask Susie about that. I get frustrated about things, and I get way too frustrated over some little thing, and it bothers me, and I don't stop and say, wait a minute, you know, let's put this in perspective. The Lord is on my side. Now consider the worst experience. You're thinking of some little thing that happened. Think of the worst experience a human being can face, and I believe that's the death of a loved one. Susie and I have had a friend back in Maryland for many years. In fact, Susie's kept in touch with Chris for, what, 25 years? And uh, they're very close. And on Mother's Day, five weeks ago, we found out that Chris's husband, Keith, died of a heart attack just like that. 52 years of age, no, no warning, nothing. He just, he died. And... Obviously, nobody can prepare for a shock like that. Her grief was immediate, and her grief has been going on for the last five weeks. Let me ask you, was the Lord on her side? Was the Lord on her side? Absolutely He was. In that moment, He was on her side. And I know that because in a physical way, there were uh, the Lord's presence was demonstrated through her own family, through her pastor, the church, and we know that church very well back in Maryland. Susie and I used to be a part of it. The Lord was there. The Lord was on her side. The Lord was ministering to her, and He continues to do so to this very day. But you know, along with David in Psalm 124, we need to ask this question. It's healthy to ask this question from time to time. 
what if the Lord had not been on my side when I went through that? What if the Lord had not been on your side? Whether we're talking about some, some minor you know, problem, like you know, vehicle breaks down, or you, know, you didn't get the job you applied for, or maybe it's something life-shattering like the death of a loved one, I've often asked myself, or the questions cross my mind, how do people get through that kind of stuff without Jesus? How do people survive? How do they make it through? Whether, you know, again, it's, it's a big, huge issue or some little minor problem, how do they make it without Him? Have you ever asked that? You ever wondered that? You know how hard it is on you and me, and we have Him! What if He wasn't on my side? What if He wasn't with me? If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this psalm is asking you and me to imagine. I love that song years ago that, you know, uh, I can only imagine. We all, I think most of us love that one. Uh, just trying to make us think what it's going to be like when I'm standing there with Him in glory, when I'm with my Jesus, and I get to see Him face to face. What's that going to be like? I mean, we don't have all the details in the Scripture, so we do have to imagine. But this morning, David is asking us to imagine, what if, the Lord had not been on our side. What if we have to deal with these situations in life that we all thought about and talked about without knowing Him? Imagine living every day without knowing that I can take every little frustration, I can take it right to Him in prayer. Imagine suffering that deep disappointment. Some of you have been disappointed recently. What if you went through that and you didn't have any Christian friends to call up and text and say, can you pray for me? You didn't have their support. And what if, just imagine living on this planet without His love, His joy, His peace. Imagine. I don't like to imagine that, do you? But it's good to ask ourselves that question. What if? And then I want us to remind ourselves of where these problems come from. Where do these setbacks and challenges and heartaches, who's behind it? Who's, who's the source of that? And David says here in verse 2, when people attacked us, that's the new living, uh, in the ESV, when people rose up against us. So the focus here is on human beings, other people around us, whether it's our family, at work, in our neighborhood. But even when people seem to be the problem, see, people seem to be bringing those things against us and attacking us, where's the real problem coming from? Ephesians 6.12, Paul wrote, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. So as much as you want to look at that person or consider them, yeah, if I, if, if I could just get them out of my life, I'd be fine. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because we have an enemy. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are in spiritual warfare every day we live. And the enemy doesn't let up. He doesn't take a vacation. You know, we're all thinking about summertime, you know, maybe take a vacation here or there. He doesn't take a day off. And he is against us. He's coming against us. How does he come against us? Well, David gets real specific in verses 3 to 7. Look at how graphic the language is. Four ways our enemy can attack us. If the Lord had not been on our side, David says, our enemies would have swallowed us alive. That's pretty, that's pretty graphic, isn't it? I mean, just one gulp, like, like Jonah. You know, the great fish came and God allowed him to be swallowed up. All of a sudden, he's in the stomach of the, the great fish. It says in verses 4 and 5, our enemies, like a raging water, like a flood, they would have just swept us away. We'd have been gone. 
If the Lord had not been our side, with their teeth, they would have torn us apart. That's gross, isn't it? But verse 6 is, is pretty graphic, not necessarily in terms of what's happening to us physically. Now, this literally happened to Christians in the first century, didn't it? It happened to them. But we can be torn apart on the inside. We can have people say things and do things to us. And in verse 7, like a helpless bird, we would be trapped if the Lord had not been on our side. Notice in all four of those illustrations that David gives here, we see a helpless, powerless victim. Who's the victim? That's you and me, right? That's you and me. If the Lord had not been on our side. And that victim is overcome by a powerful, vicious enemy. I mean, this, this enemy is not playing games, right? And our enemy is not playing games. In fact, Satan has a goal. He has a purpose behind everything he does. In John 10, Jesus said to, his, uh, to those who were listening to him, I forget what the context was, talking about himself as the good shepherd. He's, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I love my sheep. I know them by name. I care for them. Not only that, I lay down my life for the sheep. So he calls himself the good shepherd. And then in verse 10, he describes someone else. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, who's that thief? He's talking about the devil. There's no question in my mind. In the context, in the larger picture, he's talking about our enemy. And it sounds a lot like David's enemies in Psalm 124. I love the way one of my favorite preachers uh, used to talk about spiritual warfare. E.V. Hill. I don't know if any of you have had the privilege of hearing him. He's been gone for many years. You probably, some of you haven't even heard the name. But um, he spoke at a Promise Keepers conference way back, and I will never forget it. He was speaking on spiritual warfare. He's preaching from Job 1. Remember Job 1, or the book of Job? In, in the first chapter, the whole story is set out. And Satan comes before the Lord, and the Lord says, Have you noticed Job, one of my servants? He, he obeys me, he loves me, he honors me. Satan says, Yeah, I know why that is, because you blessed him. You've given him all this stuff. But you start, Satan says, you start taking blessings away and you let him suffer a little bit, he'll curse you to your face. The point in that first chapter is very clear. Satan cannot touch you and he cannot touch me without permission. He has to get permission to touch our lives. He wanted to steal from Job. He ultimately wanted to kill Job. There's no doubt about that. That's what Satan wanted to do. But he couldn't do it. Why? E.V. Hill makes this powerful point. The power of God versus the limitation of our enemy. Sometimes we think our enemy is all-powerful. He's not. Praise God. And E.V. And, and Hill reminded his audience that Jesus said, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to do it, but he can't do it. Why? Because we have a shepherd. And our shepherd is watching over you and me. His name is Jesus. And, and, and he has to, the enemy has to get permission from my shepherd and yours to touch your life and touch mine. In that sermon, I, just, I have to throw this in. He was talking about, what if Satan had that power? What if he had the power of life and death in his hands? He said to that group that was standing before him, he said, if he had that power, you give him that power, we'll all be dead before nightfall. Why would he let us live if he could kill us? He can't. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. That's what Job said. He has all power. 
And anything that happens in your life and mine, it either came from the loving, gracious hand of our Lord, or He permitted it. He is my shepherd. In the words of David, He is on my side. Now back to our text. Twice David asked the question, what if the Lord had not been on our side? The question is important because it forces us again, forces us to imagine life without a shepherd. Imagine life without our Savior, without a God who loves you and me with an everlasting love. You know he said that in Isaiah? He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so there are just hundreds of scriptures we could read to declare God's commitment to anyone who has committed their life to Christ. We could look at hundreds, but there's one I want to point out. One of my favorites is Isaiah 45, 15. This verse shouts, the Lord is on my side all the time. Look at that verse on the screen. Do we have it? Yes. I love this verse. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I've written you on the palms of my hands. Every time I read that phrase, I've written you on the palms of my hands, I think of the cross where they took spikes and they drove them into the palms of my Lord. My name is written on the palms of His hands. That's how much He loves me. This verse says, you know, there's no greater love than a love a mother has for a child. The care, the concern. It's impossible for us to conceive that that mother could forget her child. We say, no way. But God's Word says, even if that's possible, He will never, ever, ever forget you and me. And so, in a, in a thousand places, the Bible underscores the fact the Lord is on our side. Now, this is perhaps the bottom line. One more question I want to throw out here this morning. Maybe this is where like, they say, the rubber meets the road. Do you believe this? Do you believe what Psalm 124 says? Now I can, you know, we can read it in Scripture. I can preach on it this morning. And you can go out of here still thinking, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced this is true all the time. And I want to put a statement on, this, on the, the wall over here. I want you to think about it. And as we read it, I want you to ask yourself, is this true of me? Is this ever true of me? Are there times when this is true of me? Regardless of how long we've been Christians and how deeply we've studied God's Word, most of us don't really believe down deep in the marrow of our bones that God is entirely, wholeheartedly, unwaveringly on our side. Is that true of you? Is there any doubt is there any, well, you know, I know Scripture says it, and I know there's a lot of verses that would back it up, but I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. It's possible to live most of our lives unconvinced that God is really for us. And where does that uncertainty come from? I want to I submit to you that that uncertainty often comes from the fact we don't know who we are in Christ. We sometimes are a little fuzzy on our identity. Who are we? And what does God declare? See, God's settled, unconditional love for you and me is declared in so many places in the New Testament. And, and we could be here all after, you know, through the morning and all into the afternoon if we listed every one of them. 
I just want to mention a couple of God's statements about who we are in Christ. If you belong to Him today, this is who we are. And I want, I want to just say, if you're here and you are not in Christ, you don't belong to Him, you've never trusted Him, today can be the day. Today. I've used that phrase throughout this message. If you belong to Jesus. Well, if you don't, you can. He loves you so much that He sent His Son, God sent His Son to die on a cross to pay the price for your sin. And the Bible simply says, if you will recognize your sin, you will say, oh God, I need you to come and forgive me and be my Savior. If you will invite Him to do that, He will. He said, I, uh, you open that door and I will come in. I invite you to do that today if you haven't. For those of us here that know Him, here's some, some passages in Scripture that talk about when I am in Christ, I am God's child. John 1.12 says that. He adopted me and you into His family. Does it sound like He's on our side? According to that verse, I, I would say so. Okay. Uh, and I love this. John 15.5. Dave and I have been looking at this together. John 15. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. You're my friends. I'm a friend of Jesus in Christ. Not, thirdly, I am a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12. We're a member of a very large body all over the world. But that's who I am. Let's go on. I am complete in Christ. Nothing lacking. Do you know that? It says right there in Colossians 2 that you and I are complete in Him. I am free from all condemnation. We were in Romans 8 for a long time. Pastor Mike went through that entire book, but I love Romans 8.1. One of my favorite verses there. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What a joy to live in Him. It says in Colossians 1, I am redeemed and forgiven of all sin. Did you know that? If I am totally forgiven, if my sin is gone, I know that He is at my side. And then we go on. I am a citizen of heaven. Not when we die. The Bible says there in Philippians 3.20, right now, I and you are a citizen of heaven. I am born of God. See, we're adopted but we're also born into the family. We see that throughout the New Testament. And uh, just one more, Ephesians 2.10 says, I'm God's workmanship. All of these verses, and there are so many more. This is just the tip of the iceberg that tell us who I am in Christ. I need to know who I am. When I know that, then that completely underlines the fact that I know He loves me with an everlasting love. I know that He promised to never leave me or forsake me. I know that He is by my side. He's on my side. Agape love, of course, means He is always seeking our highest good. I love, someone said, there's nothing you and I can do that can make Him love us any more or make Him love us any less. His love is unconditional. He is on your side. He is on my side. And I don't want anybody to leave here today. My, I guess my real heart's desire would be no one would leave here today with any doubt, any question. But you would be 100% convinced that what God's Word is saying, not only here in Psalm 124, but throughout Scripture, He's on my side. 
And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. We talked about a few little things that went, went through this last week. Do you think anything's going to happen this coming week in your life and mine? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I guarantee you. We live on planet Earth. We live in a sinful world. And it's going to happen. But no matter what that is, that I would quickly go back to immediately. It doesn't always happen immediately. I, I confessed that earlier. But I want to go back as soon as possible. He's on my side. He's with me. He promised to never leave me. Before I close in prayer, I'd like to just spend a moment in silent prayer. Would you bow your heads? And would you just pray, Lord, in your own words, would you just express somehow to God, if this is in your heart, I don't want to doubt for one moment your love, your constant support, your presence, that you are on my side. Tell Him what you want Him to do in your life. That, that you want to live your life based on who you are in Jesus. Let's just take a moment. And however the Lord speaking to you, would you just cry out to Him? those times in the last week two you've allowed us to go through something that we didn't expect we didn't like it it was a challenge at the moment but oh Lord that our default that, that's what I really want this to be for me our default position is always to go back to who you are and who we are in you. That we would recognize your word says over and over and over again. It confesses your love for us, your commitment to us, your presence, your uh, absolute, you've said it so many times, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Oh, I pray that that would be my default. That would be the default of every one of my brothers and sisters. We would immediately return to who we are in you. What your word says about our identity. Thank you for those two precious truths. Who you are and who we are in you. Thank you, Lord. That you are always on our side. We give you praise. Jesus' name.